0: Crosstalk. The unintentional transfer of signals between communication channels. A casual conversation. This is Video Game Crosstalk, episode 044, the monthly podcast of Gamers Talking Tech, Science, and Whatever Else Comes to Mind. I'm your host, Anthony Rossi, and with me this episode is one of the co-hosts of Focused Fire Chop. Chat... Wow, I'm going to try that again. Exactly. <laughs> and with me this episode is one of the co-hosts of the Focused Fire Chat, Focused Fire Chat podcast. Well, I'm just going to leave all those blunders in there. Green-eyed music lover. Green, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me. And don't even worry about it. When I was doing the pre-recorded summaries, I would have to do the focused fire chat line over and over again because it surprisingly actually is a bit of a tongue twister.
0: I was not expecting that. Like I've read over this plenty of times. I've mentioned your podcast to other people Mm -hmm. and I've never fumbled it. But apparently now that I hit the record button, (laughs) everything's just going to go to hell. So that's fun. It's okay. Alright. So, anyway, Green, thank you so much for joining me. So, uh, what you been up to recently?
1: I have been doing a lot of gaming, because, you know, there's not a whole lot else to do right now. <laughs>
0: there really isn't. I have just recently... I keep dipping back and forth in and out of Witcher 3, and that's what I've been playing for the past week or so, trying mm-hmm. to actually make some progress on that. But prior to that, suffice to say, I got the almighty title and destiny (laughs) too
1: nice that's quite the grind from what i can tell
0: it's it's grindy it's not that bad and i had like a little system going so i've been on paid family leave Mm -hmm. for the past two months Mm -hmm. Uh, been enjoying it immensely but when my son goes down for his afternoon nap uh, during the Guardian games, I was able to clear out half of the metal grinds, so I was able to get half of those done <laughs> during his like midday nap, and then after he went to bed, I was able to do like the other half of the metals. That's awesome. So that was just kind of my rinse and repeat for a while, and I was actually able to get the exotic machine gun Air Apparent mm-hmm. a week or so ago.
1: Nice. It's been fun to use that. That's actually a really good gun to use for these Seraph Tower events that's going on right now.
0: Okay, so I haven't dipped into that yet, because as we said, it is a bit of a grind, mm-hmm. and I need to step away from Destiny for a little bit,
2: yeah. because
0: it was, it was the only thing that I was doing, kind of rinse and repeat, did all the uh, Rasputin bunkers, got all those fully upgraded, so it was a lot to cram into a short amount of time, but I was able to do it,
1: Absolutely. and it was
0: fun, not going to lie, it was fun, but...
1: For me, I've been actually playing a f- mainly Destiny, staying in the like PvP zone more so, because that's mm-hmm. where I tend to enjoy myself a little bit better than just the grindy PvE. But uh, Rick, Man at Arms, convinced me to download Rainbow Six Siege.
0: Okay.
1: And I've never played... A game quite like it like i've done borderlands i've done witcher skyrim like more of your rpg type thing but i've never actually quote-unquote done a real fps
0: yeah gotcha yeah i usually stick to the uh rpg the epic rpgs is where mm-hmm. i really develop my gaming but never never really interest me because i tried to dive it the story actually like work through a campaign and all of that good stuff but you're mm-hmm. enjoying rainbow six
1: so far i've only played through a few tutorials so far and just kind of basically getting the movement style down it's a much slower paced game than what i'm used to really it feels like it so i'm far.
0: thinking oh i'm thinking something else okay all right So what have you been doing? Well, I've only done a few tutorials. So what have those tutorials been like for someone who doesn't play those usual FPS type games or haven't gone into Rainbow Six? So what were those tutorials like?
1: Well, you're dealing with a lot more of a weaker character. So you're having to choose your sight lines a lot more. And that's not something you really have to do as much in Destiny in some ways because you don't have as many things to hide behind, especially on some of the maps. So the other thing that, Rainbow Six does really well is it has like the barricades like you had in the old Call of Duties. You can do barricades for uh, defensive things. You can break down barricades. You can break through the floor and create new sight lines. That's the ability to alter the map to suit your needs is something totally foreign to me.
0: Yeah, that sounds like it's a whole new level of tactical planning.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Because usually, yeah, it's these are the cover areas, whatever this rock happens to be or where this signpost or tree happens to be. That's where my cover is going to be during certain phases. But you can alter all that. Like, I know there's the enemies on the other side of this wall. Let's make a hole in the wall Mm -hmm. so I can shoot at them. So I'm assuming enemy fire also breaks down walls and barricades as well
1: i think so i haven't gotten to the point where the enemies are actually doing that towards me but i have so like some walls are plaster that you can break through some walls are concrete where you can't break through so it's a lot more um awareness of your surroundings involved Hmm. in this game type which is kind of nice
0: okay well that sounds like that sounds like fun Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe maybe at some point because i was thinking a few nights ago where I was in this weird funk as far as my mental state was, where I wanted to play games, but I really didn't want to think. And just flipping through my library, nothing really was popping out at me. Mm -hmm. Because I typically love the really involved RPGs, I'm just looking at the list of games and thinking, I don't want the mental (laughs) demand for any of these right now.
1: Do you think that the mental demand of like the PVP thing is just a little weird or is it just like going through and just kind of going on autopilot instead of having to think of planning things out?
0: I think I want to do something where I could just go on autopilot for a little while.
1: For sure. For sure. I mean, there's all sorts of those indie games that'll
0: let you do that. That's what I need to get into. I keep telling myself I've downloaded a bunch from the PlayStation store mm-hmm. where it's this is the one that's free or it's 75% off. So it's only like, you know, a buck 28 off the PSN store. Mm-hmm. But I just need to actually, you know, actually play it for a change rather than just letting it sit there and keep thinking, ah, I'll get to it. Yeah. Like, so do something with it.
1: Ink is a really great one. That one is just like a little platformer. That's okay. uh, what was that again? Ink, I N K, as in okay. you're inking something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- mm. That one is a fun splatter uh, physics type thing where you're just platforming and using your jump to create these splat points where you can actually see the environment around you. Because hmm. if you don't, everything's invisible. So you actually have to create your own map in some ways.
0: Well, that sounds interesting. I'll definitely drop a link and check that out. Mm-hmm. All right, so that sounds interesting. And other things that are currently happening right now, I do jump on Twitter every once in a while, and yeah, I stalk a few people. And I noticed an interesting tweet that you had earlier today.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
0: bring this up because we kind of have a shared path going on here, and that is your uh, your day job boss listens to Focused Fire Chat.
1: Yeah, that, it's or, kind of a newer development for them because they, they're they an older couple, probably okay. in like 60s. You don't necessarily expect them to go and hop on Twitch to watch any stream or anything like that. They have no concept of what <laughs> video games are like. And so they were just really interested in seeing what I do as kind mm-hmm. of my side passion and hopped into chat last night and watched a few minutes of the episode and this morning, my, the male uh, boss that I work for, he was just like, you know, I I may be like really into like stock market and all these other things. But if I was an agent, I would have you be doing, I would have you do radio. You have a really hmm. good radio voice. I was like, okay, that's a very, very sweet compliment. Cause you, in the podcasting world, you hear all of the podcasters talk about it and it's kind of a shared passion so they're like, oh yeah you can absolutely do this but to hear somebody from outside of the world be like yeah, you really could I would listen to you
0: hmm So is this something you're thinking of taking up?
1: I would love to I've actually taken a class in within the last year about how to start up your own voiceover work and how to get into the business of doing voiceovers but it's very daunting. And yeah. the types of voiceovers, whether or not you're doing the technical side of things and doing like audio books for companies or audio things for companies versus an audio book for Audible and voiceovers for video games are totally different than everything else. So it's it's a very big world that you don't necessarily think about stepping into.
0: Mm hmm. So there is actually a recording studio close to me mm-hmm. that handles some uh regional work for voiceover work and i've been unfortunately i can't say that i've been making money off of my voice for years because unfortunately the world of the arts and entertainment just isn't that kind to me mm-hmm. but i have jeez Starting back in, I think, oh seven oh eight, 708 sometime around there, I actually started hosting and promoting local music gigs for just underground bands and hip-hop and metal shows and stuff like that, nice. and oh, it was so much fun. I felt like a, my own personal rock star, or I felt like a rock star, and I felt like I was hosting my own like personal rock show every month or so, because it was all bands that I enjoyed listening to anyway, like, Hey, I'm going to have you guys play for me. (laughs) And that was just way too much fun. But from starting with that and moving forward, I mean that the comment of, Hey, you have a great radio voice. You should go into radio. I've had that said to me multiple times a year, every Mm -hmm. year.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So this past March, I actually attended a i guess i'll call it a seminar where it was hosted at this one recording studio where it was basically this is the voice over industry if you want to get into it here's what you do we can help you do it but to really move into it what we're going to help you produce is a demo tape that is going to be for network quality like a professional grade uh demo reel and we're going to give you classes and we're going to train you on this but it's also going to cost this x thousands of dollars as a multi-part thing Mm
2: -hmm.
0: yeah so talked about that with my wife we're like "Mm, can't really pull the trigger on that just yet but recently with the quarantine that's going on they are, are now offering a reduced rate for like an express thing so it's called voice coaches and they're offering a an express curriculum i guess i'll call it for about half the original cost and again brought up to my wife said you know what at that amount of money that we can do so go have fun honey go (laughs) try to pursue it so yeah definitely signed up i'm gonna uh, meet with them again uh virtually next week to do like an audition type thing an evaluation but one of the things that you just mentioned that was echoed several times during the little seminar that I attended was there is so, I don't even know how to say it, it's so vast, so many different avenues for voiceover work that goes beyond your radio commercials or video games or audiobooks. I mean, it's all kind of embedded in there, but what they started talking about and what I'm actually interested in is corporate training videos. I would love to just be the narrator for a corporate training video and just go in, talk about whatever legalese or, hey, this is your whatever training because that needs voice work.
1: It does. And that's actually one of the easiest venues to break into, according to the teacher that I was working with. Um, that's her biggest revenue source is doing that. And she has her own home studio that she works out of. OK,
0: so, so actually, when I spoke with the people on the phone a few days ago, they. Uh, I mean, Sure, I might be able to pull something. I might be able to build a little home studio somewhere, but being that their studio is so close to my house, mm-hmm. and at the same time, my dogs were barking in the background as I was trying to talk to them, I said, uh, I'll come to the studio yeah. <laughs> and do the recording.
1: If you absolutely have that available to you. Why not? Like if it's right there, use something that's pro setup instead of trying to design because designing your own home studio to the quality that they're looking for is hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Oh,
0: easily. Yeah. Like I stepped into the sound booth and it was definitely professionally designed with the polygonal pads all over the place. And I had this microphone in front of me. Mm-hmm. And it had like the the rubberized outer layer on it, mm-hmm. but it was the size of a basketball. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, I've flipped through uh, like Sweetwater catalogs before, and I've seen how expensive microphones can go up to.
1: Oh yeah,
0: I'm willing to bet this thing far exceeds my blue Yeti that I have sitting next to me.
1: Oh, yeah. It's going to be omnidirectional, just like a blue Yeti, but it's going to be way, way more sensors. You're going to get a lot more depth because it's going to be way more sensitive. So the microphones that they're using are probably
0: two or three grand, easily. Oh, easily. And I am just too much of a noob or whatever to hear the difference in any of my voiceover so i've started doing a few destiny lore videos I've noticed. Uh, they're so much fun to do and i finally have time to do them mm-hmm. <laughs> and those i use my blue yeti to okay. record the voice for that but right now i'm actually using a corsair headset
1: okay. to do
0: the podcasting stuff because f- for a podcast <sighs> normally my audio quality sounds pretty good But there are times where my computer will randomly decide to make my audio record like hot garbage. As you can tell by the obvious difference between the sound quality between myself and Green, let's take a listen to the words that I will later eat in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Yeah, we're trying to get, it's talk radio basically. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to get the musical tones of my voice so I feel a little safer using my headset as opposed to my blue Yeti. And plus I don't have a microphone in front of me as I'm trying to take notes or switch screens or something like that. So I got the, I got the headset, I got the microphone boom in front of me and you know, for what I'm working with for the level that I'm working at, it's sufficient.
1: The, I mean, microphones are all going to have their various things. The, The big thing to remember if you're starting, if you're a new person and want to start a podcast or anything like that is to fine tune your settings in so much as how much background noise you're getting, how hot the microphone is. That takes so long and it's constant. Like I have to constantly go back in and fix this microphone that I'm using for the show because it is a dynamic microphone, just a very singular, um, like a handheld mic, what most people would use for singing because I do a lot of... When I do my voiceover work, I also have some very loud singing type stuff or screaming type things to do some um, audio book type things. And a Blue Yeti will peek out very, very quickly, whereas mm, a handheld good. mic oftentimes has a little bit more flexibility to take those sounds. It, I sound very, very low for a lot of people when I first start talking, but you can also get so much more range out of the microphone. So there's a lot of a lot of things to learn, a lot of tricks of the trade to get into. But a Blue Yeti is a great mic to start with. It is easy. You can have it sitting back away from you. You don't have to be right up on top of it. Mm-hmm. But if I were to try to play saxophone or to sing into my Blue Yeti, I would have such a hard time getting it turned down enough on the sensitivity to still pick mm. up the lows as well as the highs so
0: yeah yeah i have mine just and again i'm still learning every time i edit an episode or something i learn a little bit more and I get a little mm-hmm. bit more brave with using the editing tools i am at the point now where my mouth is like four inches well, maybe six inches away from the microphone but mm-hmm. i have the gain turned all the way down to the minimum
1: yeah and that is one of the things that you can also affect on your PC. One of the tricks that I learned fairly recently is that you can go into your PC settings, into your microphone settings, and set the gain on the PC. So even though the microphone may be turned all the way down, you can turn it down further from the PC side.
0: Okay. Hmm. Yeah, so many things to to deal with. Mm-hmm. But, ah! So speaking of podcasts, brought you on, you are a co-host, and let's see if I can get it right the first time again, on Focused Fire Chat podcast, a Destiny lore podcast. So yay, I get to talk to a Destiny lore person. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) So Focused Fire Chat, how long has that been going on? Can you give me like a basic origin story for the show?
1: So the show started a year after Destiny came out. And it was started by blue crew 86 just insane 0516, and uh steaming uh steamy will a bit i can't ever Willie. Willie's the easy way i never remember okay, that. so uh i was not an original host on it but i was a oh, fan okay. and about a year into the show i started interacting more as far as helping blue set up show notes and getting things set up for the episodes to be recorded and eventually got kind of brought on as a permanent host. Oh, episode 50 I think is where I came on as a permanent host and I have been there ever since and we are over 200 episodes now. So it's been going for a while. Every Friday night at 9 p.m., uh, Mountain Standard Time, 10 p.m. Central, we hop on Twitch, we record through Discord, and we have a live recording of our show every evening, or every Friday evening, rather.
0: hmm Yeah, I've been thinking about, and my friends have been telling me that I really should try to stream a live recording of the mm-hmm. show, but I just, right now, trying, trying to be a present father as much as I can. I don't have, like, the time to really... Set some stuff up, because I have no idea how to record through Discord. I guessed it on uh, Guardians Mental Health for one of their Let's Chat or yeah. Let's Talk episodes, mm-hmm. which was great. And yeah, uh, Average Joe sent me a link or sent me instructions saying, yeah, we're going to record through Discord. And I'm thinking to myself, how? How do you? Okay, sure. Sure, go for it.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways to do it. Blue uses uh, a program called VoiceMeeter Banana that allows him to audio mix directly on his PC from a bunch of different sources. He uses it primarily for the podcast itself. But what we end up doing most of the time is we will actually all record on a program called Audacity remotely. Mm-hmm. And then just like your program tool for Zencaster, he'll mix it all together and do all the editing and post. So yeah. the live recording is real easy through Twitch and everything. But
0: Okay, so everyone's running Audacity on their local PC. And Correct. then you email, do you uh, post it to a shared folder, mm-hmm. the audio file? Yep, Google Drive. Oh. All right, Google Drive, there you go. Yeah, and I think I've mentioned this a few times for some other friends who are trying to get into a little bit of content creation, where it's if you want to do audio stuff audacity is pretty much the go-to as an open source Mm -hmm. audio mixer
1: yeah it's a free mixer it is a little um not user-friendly partially because it is free but if you have a friend who has taken an entire semester on um, music technology like I did in college I've been able to upgrade our quality a few different times to just a few tricks that I learned back then and okay. the nice thing with a lot of the podcast out there is that so many of us are willing to help you if you are wanting to start it. Like If you are like, hey, Green, I need to know how to up my quality on the show. Well, what's the quick fix that you can do real quick on Audacity? One of the things I could tell you is that in the bottom left-hand corner, there is a project rate for Hertz. And you can actually up that for most PCs from 41,000 hertz up to 48,000, giving you a lot more depth. So you can get those highs and lows as far as you can get them.
0: You know, I need to just a little scribble that down real quick. I should probably do that myself. Yeah, I use Audacity for the recording mm-hmm. of, the, uh, of the lore videos. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to look into that a little bit.
1: Absolutely.
0: So I've been listening to Focus Fire Chat for a while myself, and I've noticed that there is a pretty significant change in the format from even like a year ago or so Mm -hmm. uh, to today. Mm -hmm. So care to explain what the current, if someone was to come into Focus Fire Chat now, what is your, how would you describe your current format?
1: So what I like to describe it as our 101 course versus our advanced like 102 course. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the Destiny gaming community now is very, very different than what we experienced when we first started playing. When we first started playing, everyone was on the same playing field. They knew as much as anybody else did. And you would be able to talk about things in a very easy, um, concise sense because there was not... A five years worth of lore to go through
2: mm-hmm.
1: now we've actually started doing what's called an introductions episode where I go into and do a basic overview to give you the idea of where we came from and then in the advanced episode we tend to go into a lot more theories and um, the more fine-tooth type situations within the lore so that's changed fairly recently And then because of COVID, Blue and I have, I mean, life is crazy. You know that. Mm -hmm. With everything going on, we've actually kind of relaxed our format a little bit to where it's more conversational rather than a lecture, which is what a lot of it does tend to come across as.
0: Yeah, that's actually kind of touches on a reason why I've started my own lore videos where it's we have five years or so worth of storytelling Mm -hmm. to go through and particularly for the pc players who just joined the universe sure there's you know tons of other youtubers out there that have gone over the lore and there's places that you can go to read up on it but it's still it's a lot thrown at you Mm -hmm. all at one time Mm -hmm. i mean even with the taken where that actual race wasn't introduced until were they year two
1: Yeah, yeah, it would have been taken king, which would have been not. E- was it year two? Because we had dark below, house of wolves, dark yeah, of wolves, yeah.
0: Okay, so it was like year two. So we had an entire year of destiny without that race, which is now just one of the like vanilla races at this point. Mm-hmm. So, and, and there's a lot that goes into the Taken. Like there, there's a lot going into why those enemies have a shadowy. Starlight dark appearance about them. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on there. So, what I'm actually trying to do is I'm kicking around ideas of just rehashing old lore, but through the lens of what we know now type of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so, of course, I have to start with the books of sorrow. That's the first thing I got to do. Okay. (laughs) And. As I read through them again, now in year five or six or whatever of the game, you start picking up on a bunch of other little things where it's like just a little three-word phrase might mean something completely different today than what it meant in year two of Destiny.
1: Absolutely. And that's one of the wonderful things about the lore is that you can do that. You can go back into the old vanilla lore, which I started recording um, the Alpha Lupi stuff that came out in the beta before destiny. Oh, was wow. Okay. So there are little tidbits and threads within there that actually hints at orcs or callous. And you're just like, how did, how did the writers weave these things in throughout this entire story and eventually come up with what we have today? It's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. They, they moved very slowly. That is one thing I've noticed about, Destiny as a whole, where when they make changes to the game, where they start moving the story forward, they move at an absolute snail's pace. But at the same time, that also ensures that they're able to weave these old bits into the present day. And it keeps everything kind of coherent, if you will.
1: Yeah, it does give it a. The beauty and the problem with the right. way that it's done is that all that lore is not necessarily in game people who play d2 may not have any clue that you can go to a website called ishtarcollective.net and go and read stuff from destiny one that is no longer available like that's completely gone
0: right. well and why is it called ishtar collective
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so going into the lore on that, there's so right. there's so much there. There's so much to dig into. Fell lie, the gun that we're getting that we're working towards. Mm-hmm. There's a history with that gun. Fell actually killed a warlord and his ghost using that gun.
0: You know, I was just on Instagram flipping through some Destiny posts, and there was a little bit of discussion, like what actually. Is Felwinter's lie? Why is it called Felwinter's lie? And it's like I'm—I don't think we actually know definitively what the lie actually is, do we?
1: We don't have the confirmation of what the lie is. We think we know what the lie is with the data mine that happened fairly recently. And it's actually the book is available now. We just won't actually get it in game until we unlock the quest fully, but. That story that's coming up. Okay. We think is the Fell Winter's lie.
0: Okay, so I have not read that little data mine yet. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to avoid spoilers. Yeah.
1: I'm not going to I won't I won't spoil anything for anyone.
0: Okay. Okay, so that's information is forthcoming as mm-hmm. to what that lie is. Uh, so how has your experience with the Destiny community been uh, since you've been on this podcast?
1: It has kind of been a whirlwind to be honest. I wasn't expecting, all I really wanted to do when I started working with FFC was to tell the story that I'm also passionate about and tell it in a way that is funny and informative and a way to reach out to community members who may not want to go and sit and sift through hours and hours of lore to find Mm -hmm. these different notes and threads. And from there, I've gone from being a, just a basic teacher, music teacher in Kansas, to pretty much do, not quite doing it full time. But I could theoretically shift over to doing it full time if I really wanted to. Even though we're a nonprofit podcast, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. so it's it's taken over quite a few. Uh, few hours of my life in some ways, but I've been able to meet multiple devs. I was on the lore panel at Guardian Con with the writer who writes for Shaxx, Jonathan Toe. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he actually wrote for Shaxx as well as Drifter, and we got to have a conversation not only on the panel, but also kind of behind the scenes before the panel. We got to kind of pick his brain a little bit um, with Bife and Mylan
2: mm-hmm.
1: and Beard. And just, it was really, really nice to be able to step up and talk to the devs directly because these people are the ones providing all this entertainment and finding out how they work, not only as a team, but also just individually and how they stepped into the process and how people who may want to step into the process could theoretically do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, that is definitely something, again, to kind of piggyback off of that comment where I haven't gotten too deep into the gaming community, but I have gotten deep enough. And I've been able to, through this podcast, talk to some amazing people. So just... Just the online communities, if you could find a good one, it is such a rewarding experience. Oh, yeah. And to hear that you were able to get onto the lore panel at Guardian Con, that must have been an absolute blast oh, yeah. to be a part of.
1: It is a, it's a lot of fun, and we've been able to do it every year the lore panel's been around, luckily, but... The The thing that I loved the most about being able to be a voice for the community or being a quote-unquote voice for the community is meeting the different community members out there. And one of my kind of side pet projects that I love to do is I try to find people who are not necessarily the big names. I'm not looking for people who are on um, – the Destiny community podcast or anything like that. I'm going to find somebody who is in Austin, Texas, who used to be a clan leader and befriend them and kind of help them grow their own story and grow their own communities. It's, It's one of those weird things that you can do in the Destiny community that I'm not sure you can do in a whole lot of the others.
0: And, you know, I think I've had my own theories about this. They're completely unscientific and completely untested. But the Destiny community seems different to me right from the beginning. And I think it has to do with there is such an emphasis on cooperation in game where it's not so much head to head. It's not so much a competition all the time, except for PvP, obviously, because that's just the nature of Know, PvP, gaming, mm-hmm. but strikes, raids, public events, matchmaking on like, all the activities. It's heavily focused on you get into an activity and you're going to get matchmade mm-hmm. with random people. Mm-hmm. And you have an objective to complete. And for you to succeed, you have to make sure that everyone succeeds at the mm-hmm. same time. And if that isn't your mindset, then you're probably not going to enjoy Destiny a whole lot. So that taps into a very specific, almost niche, a very uh, subsection, subculture, not tr- sub whatever, of gamers where they're predisposed to be a cooperative group as opposed to a individual mindset does that make any sense
1: it does and there are aspects in the game where you can be that hyper aggressive um type character as well within like the pvp setting right you have the trials p pvp uh, PvP setting where everybody is very high energy or high energy high tension high um just stakes that you're going Mm -hmm. into so you're going to get a lot more of your sweaty uh um and not to diss any of the communities out there but just more of that setting where you kind of a little bit more uh aggressive Mm -hmm. antagonistic you're going to get those kind of settings there but I think within the way that Bungie has designed this game, it is a primarily cooperative game. There are still aspects of competition built into everything. I mean, Guardian mm. Games was a big uh, reveal in some respects on how toxic even our community
0: could become. Yeah, yeah, because, that got toxic real quick.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things that it it really shows that within the primary base of how Destiny was designed that it is it, it tries to foster community. It tries to build up community and cooperation that Guardian Games aside, that was probably not the wisest choice on how they <laughs> did it and I'm, I'm sure Bungie has learned a lot.
0: Oh yeah. And so oh, yeah. did
1: a lot of community members. Yeah,
0: so. mm. we'll see what happens. For sure. I sincerely hope you're enjoying this episode of video game crosstalk if you would like to help support the show please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash vgxtpod even as little as one dollar per month will help covering the costs of web hosting and other associated overhead of being a content creator and you will gain access to other bonus content such as video shorts and extra podcast audio once again, visit patreon.com slash Pod and become a patron today. Moving on away from the gaming for a little bit, there's a lot of stuff going on in this world. And I try to make this podcast more of uh, gamers talking about things. Mm-hmm. So we're now in month two give or take, of a global pandemic. (laughs) And one of the big things that have happened is that schools have closed down, or at least the physical buildings Mm -hmm. have closed. And recently, up here in New York, it was announced a few weeks back that schools will remain closed throughout the end of the academic year. Mm -hmm. And this this is big. I mean... Obviously, this is the first time in my personal history, and I find it hard to believe that anyone living today has gone through something of this scale that has completely upended our society. So you had mentioned earlier that you were a music teacher. Mm -hmm. So from your academic perspective, thoughts, (laughs) anything at all? It's
1: it's going to be a big shift in how education is thought of, and I think not just for the end of this year. Many schools, I, a friend of mine who has children in North Carolina, he, mm-hmm. he actually got a letter from the school saying that we're planning on also starting the year out digitally, that we're not- Really? Mm-hmm. So there are, it's not necessarily a th- something that's been announced, but I think that a lot of uh, school districts have started moving towards that idea of what if this lasts longer? How are we going to approach it? Because you have to be prepared. Mm-hmm. just really don't know how long this is going to be the new normal.
0: So – Wow. Okay. So they're looking that far ahead Mm -hmm. just to plan ahead if we're going to have to start this year off digitally. Mm -hmm. Here's what our rollout is going to be.
1: Yep. So there's a lot of teachers who are working very, very closely with their parents, luckily, but there's also a group of individuals who are online who may not be current educators who are providing services for parents who Don't know necessarily how to teach this topic. And so it's, there's going to be a lot of tag teaming, I think, going on.
0: Oh, sure. I mean, I consider myself to be an intelligent man. Mm -hmm. I like to think so anyway. But I don't know if I would qualify myself to be able to teach all subjects K through 12. And personally, you know, my oldest son
2: Mm -hmm.
0: is three. So he's in preschool. He's in pre-K right now. So his teachers will send a, you know, a PDF out to all the parents every week. Hey, here's what we would plan on working on mm-hmm. with the kids. Here are some links to some fun activities, you know, have them do some, you know, learning activities throughout the day and it's good enough because he's 3. Right. But that's me personally. I don't have my son isn't 16 Mm -hmm. where they're going to be moving into, or uh, I have in the show notes that there are no, no standardized tests were going to be administered, but some school districts were, would consider their final exams for individual subjects. I don't know if I have the confidence to be able to teach my children, just throw it out there. Western civilization or history to the point where they would be able to pass a standardized state test. Yeah. So it's that's got to be real tough on parents. I don't.
1: I don't think standardized tests are necessarily something that they're expecting. Because I know that within the the Kansas school districts, they actually, I believe, they canceled the standardized testing.
0: Okay. Likewise in New York.
1: Mm -hmm. So that. I don't think you can expect students to be at that level i right now i really feel that there's going to be a movement a move away from teaching children what to think as in this is the fact this is the fact this is the fact this is how you do this and Mm. rather in moving into how to adapt and to create to be more creative to analyze this information. And I really hope that's something that has been kind of in the background of education for a real long time of how do we teach quote unquote to the standardized test, but also teach students how to go out and find their own information and how to not only take that information, but move past that information.
0: Oh, I would love it if we could move in that direction Mm -hmm. because so my undergraduate is actually in technology education very good yeah oh so much fun but for reasons we're not going to get into today i moved into industry rather than going to get to education but besides the point i still have a lot of friends who work in various capacities in different school programs and school districts and i you know because it was an interest of mine i keep up to date on some education news and development mm-hmm. And every time I hear something about standardized tests somewhere in the country, I think to myself, this model has been proven to not be the most effective. Why right. do we keep putting stress on these standardized tests? Can we please move away from them?
1: You know why though? Measuring intelligence and measuring academic proficiency is very difficult and very much, much so. Very, very difficult not only for people who are in education to understand but also more so for politicians so standardized testing is an unfortunate result of the government in a lot of ways wanting to understand where our students are at so we can say that we are first in the world on this right Um, and that is a it's just a unfortunate circumstance because of how it's so forward and the government really wants to know where everybody's at it's not a bad thing to know where students are at but it's not being done correctly at, in my personal opinion mm-hmm. at this point
0: right and that's the back and forth because again anyone can see the value in tracking progress mm-hmm. having some type of Define definitive number where you can make assessments. You can track progress. You can track growth or lack thereof. Just mm-hmm. because that's how tracking works. We want to make sure we get the most efficient result. It's just the human side of it, if that's the right term, where it's we're we are teaching very yeah. low level in Bloom's taxonomy.
1: Right, you're getting that very basic. the the facts, you're not getting into that higher level of thinking. But the thing that I find most interesting is that your what would be called specials, your music education, your sports education, Mm -hmm. your technology education, all of those things oftentimes provide a venue for teachers to teach students how to creatively think and work together, right? You have the social structure of a choral setting or a band setting where people of different instrument types are working together or voice types and they have to work together not only listening to the input of the those around them but watching visually the input of the director at the front they have to be at that higher level of understanding to know what's going on that's absolutely totally getting missed now because there is no availability for group settings because Mm. of covid
0: you know, I, and that's something I had not really considered. I've been thinking much more on like the physical sciences mm-hmm. and other subjects, of, like the core subjects, how that was being handled. But yeah, I had not considered. Yeah, you know, Athletics is just done. Right. Just, yeah, athletics in its entirety is just done.
1: Yeah. Music, ed- uh, music education right now is on a huge standstill as well because of it. You can't do choir over a Zoom meeting or anything like that
0: no lag and latency is a Mm -hmm. son of a gun Mm -hmm. (laughs) in online settings
1: Mm -hmm. so the thing that the everyone gives specials a bad name because it's like it's not a core thing that people need to know but the skills that are involved with choir band sports Mm -hmm. Tech, even the technology side, when you're creating those, whether or not you're doing slideshows or you're creating programs in school, the creativity side of it, the kids are missing out on it right now because they don't have access to work in a group setting like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I was in my high school had a full marching band, mm-hmm. and we went around the the northeast and you know field show competitions. You know, I ran track every. Uh, season while mm-hmm. I was in high school. It's yeah a lot of lessons were learned in those settings that just can't be replicated elsewhere. So it's it's unfortunate, but we'll bounce back. I'm yeah. fairly confident that we'll, we'll bounce back.
1: Oh yeah, that's absolutely It it may be a little bit more stunted and it may take a little while to get back up to speed, but students will get there. And mm-hmm. the thing that I th- think a lot of parents should parents of students who are in the lower levels that they also need to remember as well, even with you and your son who's only three, the socialization skills are still super important. So even if you are not obviously going out and meeting people, teaching your son or teaching your daughter how to communicate even over a Zoom meeting is going to be super important. Even though it's not a face-to-face thing, these social Mm -hmm. cues and understanding how to work in a social setting is super important. And especially in the younger, younger kids, Uh, obviously teenagers are their own little breed, but Mm -hmm. young, young students, that's so crucial. Kindergarten is oftentimes an entire year's worth of learning how to work together in groups.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And I try to stress this with friends or family because part of, even as a technology teacher, I had to take quite a few psychology and behavioral development courses, a few mm-hmm. behavioral psychology courses. When they're this young, In the kindergarten and pre-K age, this is where they're learning social norms. Mm
2: -hmm. This
0: is where they're learning how to be a proper citizen, how to be a proper person, how to interact with others. This is where social norms are being established. So it is super important to maintain proper modeling and proper, I don't want to say instruction, but proper guidance for all of that.
1: Right. And you mentioned modeling. That's actually something that I think a lot of parents don't realize how much is impactful to their kids Mm. the way you act at home whether the way you act at home within a teachable setting let's put it that way if you're working on teaching your child something or you're working in a group and you're trying to teach them something model what you would want them to be able to do do not be the person who's just kind of lackadaisical in it Mm-hmm. There's a time and place to work hard and focus and there's a time and place to relax and play and go do silly things. And if you can't differentiate the two with your child or with your student, it's going to be a very difficult set of years coming up because the mm. instruction is going to be very, very challenging, not only for you to teach your own child, but for the teachers to teach their yeah.
0: your child. So when you were a teacher, what age range were you working with?
1: I actually worked K-12. I was in okay. very, very small schools in Kansas and kind of the rural part of Kansas and Southwest side. And I taught uh, K-12 through elementary music all the way up to high school choral. Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: So you got the full range of all the development cycles and phases. I
1: did. I really loved the little ones. Those were the ones I loved working with the most as far as the like, teaching side of things. But okay. like, the junior high, high school level was actually a lot more fun to watch the personal growth of the students. Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, moving on into some science and geekery stuff. So, this is kind of a bit of a throwback article. This came out a little while ago, but it's definitely worth bringing up because it incorporates both video games and science. So, recently, as a free update to Borderlands 3, there is currently a minigame in there. And it helps you uh, work out the gut biome.
2: Mm -hmm. So...
0: (laughs) I was able to play this for a little bit, strictly, like, I specifically went back into Borderlands 3, specifically for this activity. And this is pretty cool, and it all just works out amazingly well within the Borderlands universe, because what you're doing is you're playing this little game, and it's a very simple game. It's basically lining up colored boxes. To get them aligned in certain rows, and of course, I'll have the link in the show notes. so You can see screenshots, screenshots, and such. But this is what I find interesting: is this is not the first attempt at community science. Have you ever heard of Folding at Home?
1: I have not, but I've, I'm familiar with the concept. There's a few mobile games that do the same thing, where the game is used as research.
0: Okay, well we're. Can you remember any of them off the top of your head?
1: There was, oh gosh, what was the name of it? It was a tap-based game where you were tapping to create a genetic diversity within this biome, but I do not remember one off the top of my head. I have to look it up.
0: All right, that's fine. If you can think of it, shoot an email or something over to me, I'll uh, drop it into the show notes. But what's great is, so you're lining up genetic sequences And in the DNA realm, there are the the four letters. And oh my goodness, I'm forgetting what those four letters are right
1: now. Well, oh gosh, within the RNA and DNA.
0: Yeah. Yeah. R is one of the letters. (laughs) I'll uh, slide that in a little bit later. But each of those letters are represented by one of the playable characters within borderlands, and the object of the this little mini game is to shift around the character icons so that they line up with one of the icons on the side, and you score points by getting as many character tiles in the assigned horizontal line as you can
2: mm-hmm.
0: and what is great about both the mobile games and few others is that. Gamers will do all sorts of stuff to get in-game loot, won't we? Oh, yeah. We will do all sorts of stuff. (laughs) And truth be told, it was actually kind of relaxing (laughs) because it's a low-stakes game. I mean, that has no negative consequence. Like, if you aren't able to get a maximum score on one of the puzzles, it, okay, whatever. It doesn't do anything. But if you are able to... You know, get rack up a high enough score. Yeah, you get get a little bonus.
1: That's kind of fun. So, you're able to do, in some ways, this is going to sound very not so nice, but the grunt work of what scientists are needing to do. Well, that's exactly what it
0: is. And there's a video with Mayam Bialik, Mm -hmm. and she narrates it through and talks about it. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that they discuss is that supercomputers or AI they're really good at doing very specific tasks they're really good at finding certain types of sequences and patterns and such and other things like that but there are limitations as far as pattern rec- excuse me as far as pattern recognition is concerned and that's where the human brain is actually more suited for it so it's the computers are able to find a lot of these sequences but they also recognize that there are errors in the sequences, but mm-hmm. the computer itself can't figure it out. It's just, hey, there's an error here. I don't know what you want me to do. There's an error here.
1: Right. That's. It's really interesting to know that they're using gamers to do that, not only to find the correct code, but also to demonstrate a lot of incorrect codes, because that's something that's also important to researchers, too. Oh, absolutely. Is understanding the human error. Because human error is what helps creativity, right? When you have something that's broken or uh, conflicting something, you have to figure out a way around it. So it drives creativity.
0: Yep. All right. And the second article that I have under Science and Geekery, and this, I think, just taps into a lot of the creative aspects that go into gaming. And for people who are Looking to get into any type of content creation, even if it's you know, YouTube videos, podcasts, or even if they're just looking to create stuff, and they need access to music. So the U.S. Library of Congress builds a royalty-free, well, they call it a hip-hop sampling site, and uh, it's it was referred to as a hip-hop sampling site by this one. Uh, it's MusicTech.net is the name of the. The website that I'm grabbing it from, but I think that's just more of the DJs and MCs that I've known over the years. They will pretty much use any type of audio as a sample for a beat or a song or a mm-hmm. track or something like that.
1: And I think that but, I think that's what they're they're using this for as well, though. It, yeah,
0: it is the intent. Definitely, that is the intent. Uh, the project is called Citizen DJ, and it gives people access to quote audio recordings from the library's collection dating back over 100 years. So that's a lot of audio. Mm -hmm. And what's great about this is it's all royalty-free. That is so important when you're trying to create things.
1: Oh, yeah. It's interesting because it looks like within the image that they have in the article that it is actually a fairly easy-to-use toggle system So Mm -hmm. you have your basic uh, bars broken out, it looks like, and you can use the sound bites from all these different things and turn them on and off and mix them as you want to, to create this DJ effect. It's a lot easier than trying to do it in like Audacity or even GarageBand, it looks like. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I was actually able to. So the audio that I use or the music sampling that I use for my podcast, I was able to download from other royalty-free sites and I was able to mix it. Somehow it came. It came out sounding proper. Mm -hmm. I was able to mix it in Audacity, but I had to zoom in quite a bit into that little waveform to make sure that the beats were lining up properly. Oh yeah. I mean, I did it. So to have this, as you'd call it, a toggle system, Mm -hmm. definitely helps out. And I haven't looked into this too much yet, but they've got all sorts of stuff. They have moving down the article a little bit. Quote, the available audio encompasses soundtracks from early movies and public service announcements, classical recordings, spoken word, and tracks from the Free Music Archive. So you're getting all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So, so do you know anyone uh, personally that is into the, the mixing or producing beats or producing audio or any people that you know on the music side that would benefit from this?
1: Oh, absolutely. A friend of mine uh, lost havoc. He actually just got signed on, he and his group, and he does a nice. lot of this kind of thing. And he's actually one that will do uh, Destiny-themed parodies. Oh, uh, boy. So Hooray. He, he's used a ton of this kind of stuff and just created it in his own garage band. So I think that this might be a little bit easier to grab different samples, for sure.
0: Yeah, and I've been to like house parties and stuff where I've had some DJs where they just bring me a record. I'm going to mix it in and match it up with this other record over here. And like stuff from like the moon landing, um, this other uh, just layered over some other track and somehow it sounded cool. I don't know, but if, if you're truly an artist who can really get in and start mixing and layering things, this sounds like such an exciting opportunity and such a great public service because there are people all over the place who are trying to get into some type of content creation, mm-hmm. and you know, there's only so many programs that can use the same free songs that are embedded in the YouTube Studio.
1: Yeah, YouTube, like the royalty freeze in YouTube. There's Ben Sound Online. There's, yeah, it's it's not fun. Uh, Either that, or you have to end up building your own song, which is also challenging.
0: Oh yeah, I was able to grab a copy of it's called uh, Music Mixer,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mixer, and I was able to play around with that for a little bit. But when you actually get into building a full song, that takes a lot more patience and know-how than you might think, or that the average person might think, I should say.
1: Yeah, definitely. It is. It is. And not only are you having to find the, the tiny little track that you're using as your loop, you also have to arrange it in a setting to where it's going to make sense with everything else you're going to put in there. So it is a challenge. It's not an easy thing to do.
0: No, no, not at all. And I, when I first got into it, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just grab a be here, I'll grab a loop there, and be done with it. And then you spend five hours at your computer and realize that you have downloaded, like, 30 different audio files, but you still haven't created a single usable beat.
1: Yep. That's really cool that they're providing that service, though, letting people actually use it.
0: Oh, yeah. Definitely going to help out the community at large. Mm-hmm. Alright. And moving yep. on... Really quick to one of my favorite sections, the Capital Region Unlocked, because there is so much game development happening over here in the Capital Region of New York. Big news recently came out, and over at Vicarious Visions, which actually the Destiny community should be somewhat familiar with, as they helped out uh, Activision quite a bit with a lot of Destiny content, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 is coming back. And... This is going to be a lot of fun for me, because I really cannot wait to go into it again. But it also kind of harkens back to my last episode, where I actually, you can go to the episode and listen to it, where I openly state that I am typically not a fan of playing the same game twice when it comes out as a remaster.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Green, what are your thoughts on remasters as a whole?
1: I think... I'm actually on the same level as you are. I am more that person that I love the initial experience and I will play the game to death. But going back in on a remaster, it's pretty, but it's the same Mm. experiences just in a heightened sense, right? Like that's the whole purpose of the remaster.
0: Right. Uh, When the Handsome Jack edition came out for Borderlands uh, 2 and the Mm pre-sequel, Me and my friends who played through Borderlands 2 countless times. We all jumped onto it, we grabbed it. It looked beautiful, looked amazing. But an hour or so into the game, we just realized we're 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 just playing Borderlands 2 again.
1: Yep, it's the same thing. I yeah. For some people, it's a great nostalgia trigger, and they love going through it. But for me, I like the original memories. I don't need to rehash them.
0: <sighs> mm-hmm.
1: That's with my personal take, though.
0: Yeah. However, they did have a great interview with Tony Hawk and uh, some of the leads at Vicarious Vision, and they are updating quite a bit of the game to be a more modern control.
1: That's good. You know what, though? I think it would actually be a little easier for a physics-based game like Tony Hawk versus a story-based game like Borderlands, even though it's like a looter shooter, right? Mm -hmm. The story-based ones, I would imagine I have a harder time dealing with them, like the Halo remastered and stuff that's the big news and everything. That doesn't interest me as much as like a physics-based game where if they – what if they remastered Assassin's Creed, the original Assassin's (sighs) Creed?
0: Oh, and and I wouldn't die when I go into water?
1: Right. Like having things actually make sense, have the controls updated, having that would actually be something I'd be interested in. Like I enjoyed the game, but it was such a clunky um, experience Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't mind maybe diving back into that one in particular. And I don't know if that's the case with the Tony Hawk game. Maybe that was more of where they're heading.
0: Well, that actually, that is where they're heading because they even talked about how there are certain moves and maneuvers and features that didn't come until much later in the series that they're actually programming into the original games. Right. So you're they're taking all of what worked
2: mm-hmm.
0: in the later games and they're bringing it back and remastering. It's more you get to play the original skate parks again and listen to the original soundtracks. Which is, oh, it's just such fantastic, like, late 90s, early 2000s, punk rock and ska and (laughs) some other fun stuff like that.
1: Yeah, for sure. That I wouldn't be so, like, poo-poo against, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. But also, I think it, it might scratch that itch, like I was saying earlier, where I just need something that I can kind of decompress and go on autopilot for. Yeah. Uh, skateboarding game will definitely work for me and also if i can get it yep towards the end of the article they s- start talking about pricing and you can get both remasters tony art pro skater one and two for forty dollars oh, wow. so
1: not bad yeah
0: so they're not charging the 60 dollars standard fee and you're getting two games for that price so i feel that's an appropriate price point
1: yeah, absolutely. For something that is technically an older game, but giving the new opportunities within that game with the new tricks that they're adding in, why not? I think that's a great, great value right there.
0: Yeah, that's appropriately priced. And of course, they have some additional deluxe and collector's editions for higher dollar amounts. But you know, if, if you love it that much, go for it, support the company. Vicarious Visions is awesome. They do such great work. Mm-hmm and uh, we're, it, we're so blessed to have them in our area to, to call one of our uh, Capital Region developers. So looking forward to it. We'll see if I get it. Right now, I'm, I'm kind of back and forth because, uh, again, COVID, money isn't exactly where I would prefer it to be right now. But for $40, eh, we'll see. We'll see. Absolutely. Audible.com is giving listeners of this podcast the opportunity to try out their service for free. Simply visit audibletrial.com slash vgxtpod and select from over 180,000 titles for your first audiobook, such as book two in The Witcher Saga, The Time of Contempt by Andrei Sapkowski. Geralt is a witcher, guardian of the innocent, protector of those in need, a defender in dark times against some of the most frightening creatures of myth and legend. His task is now to protect Ciri, a child of prophecy. She will have the power to change the world for good or for ill, but only if she lives to use it. Once again, go to audibletrial.com vgxtpod and start your free trial today. And now moving on to the final section of the podcast, we do have two listener questions. Hmm. So let's get into those real quick. The first one's coming from dot pool 12 and question from her. And this is a YouTuber that I was able to start getting into contact with. Once I started rolling out some of my lore videos, uh, she is one of those people who is new to the destiny community. She's within the past, you know, several months she got into the game and again there's a lot going on yeah not all that makes sense so from dot pool 12 the question is why the traveler came and why the cabal haven't completely wrecked it by now
1: okay so one i can answer one i can't okay so the one that i cannot answer is because we actually have never had any exact reasoning is why the traveler came here we do know that the traveler showed up in sol the solar system that we're in and started terraforming multiple different planets terraformed mars terraformed venus went through and there was just this massive amount of time meaning more of like a year to two years where the traveler bounced all over the solar system and transformed these planets why it came to our solar system we don't actually know that answer yet.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's just random happens chance, because if you look back into some other lore entries, the Traveler just kind of went around the universe at large, kind of blessing various species. And the, the darkness was always kind of hot on its tail.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And thinking back to the, uh, the Forsaken quest, where you get your uh, middle tree, uh subclass Mm -hmm. where you hear the whispers where uh something to the effect of have i finally found my champion will you be the one to defend me
1: well there there is that so if we go if you want to go really really deep into lore maybe the motivations (laughs) aside right like motivation (laughs) for the traveler side you go into the book the unveiling right that's the book mm. we got in Shadowkeep whenever you were completing the heir's Mourn quest. Unveiling talks about how there were original two. You have the Winnower and the Gardener. Right. The Traveler is the Gardener. They're the one placing the pieces on the this playing board. And they have what's called the Flower Game, which is actually a real thought game that is out there that you can play. And it is a game of evolution. And there are only certain rules... And you have to follow the rules. Throughout unveiling, you have the moment where the traveler in some ways breaks the rules and steps outside of the game. And thus begins the real game. And the traveler is going around and planting these seeds to try yes. to beat the winnower, who is the one who's trying to cut the seeds and to get rid of them. So the traveler is trying to figure out who can actually win the game for them.
0: Right. And I think, you know, as far as coming into the soul system, I think we were just, you know, next on the list or the next you know proverbial town that they came across while traveling through.
1: Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's the actual motivation, we don't have confirmation.
0: Yeah. But Okay, I will agree with that statement. And as far as the Cabal, haven't uh, completely wrecked the Traveler?
1: So the Cabal are n- the Red Legion is the only thing group of the Cabal that are interested in wrecking the Traveler. And it's mostly out of revenge now. When we took out
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: back in the beginning of D2, that was cutting the head off of the Snake with the Red Legion. The Red Legion is a military group that is not super organized in comparison to a lot of the Cabal society. Callus has no interest in Taking the traveler, at least in the same manner that Gaul did. So, mm. right, that's the reason why the Cabal have not taken over that whole thing. The Cabal that we're fighting against the majority of the time is the Red Legion. They have no leaders that we know of stepping up into the role that Gaul was in or that the um, Praetoriate kind of mm.
0: Is, oh, I'm forgetting the name. Of the daughter, the heir apparent, mm-hmm, blatantly mm-hmm. is she going to be stepping up for the Red Legion? Do we know, or is that more like the cabal at large?
1: She was part of the conspiracy group that ousted Callus back in the day, okay. right? So, there's a theoretically she could. They that's a tendril that the writers could eventually go down, but I don't know if they're going to.
0: Okay because she definitely has aspirations I mean that oh, yeah. is blatantly obvious <laughs> that, that's not even like ooh conjecture maybe I can piece no it's blatant like yeah. that's that, that big time motivations coming so yeah in in short the Cabal haven't wrecked it by now because yeah the Red Legion under Gaul were the only ones that were really aiming for it and now it's just Callus mm, has no interest he's going to go back to the edge of Existence, <laughs> edge of the universe.
1: Yeah, if that's actually still callous at this point.
0: Well, I've yeah, I- I've got some spin foil theories, um, callous that I need to you know gather proper notes for so t- for a future video if I can get enough to make it sound more academic and less ramblings of a mm-hmm. madman that's reading between <laughs> the lines too much. But okay, so. That's that question. Next, the Destiny Addicts podcast asks, what is the sexiest piece of lore that you have come across?
1: You know, there's actually a lot more hints at quote-unquote sexy things in Destiny than a lot of people realize, but I think the may not be the sexiest, but probably one of the biggest revelations that I've had recently is within the lore network, the group that I work with, with Blue, Mm -hmm. he's been collecting the dialogue of all the different characters in game because we don't have access to text of dialogue except for if you basically go in and steal it out of the API. Mm -hmm. So he's been gathering that and we've been kind of filtering through it. And there's some voice lines from Shaxx in particular. Not the, really? Not in not with Mara, but with a mention of Aphrodite and a mention of Zavala. And it's like Shaxi, Shaxi may be a little bit more equal opportunity than a lot of people would imagine. Really? Yeah. That is the big revelation recently. It's not super, super heavily <laughs> handed. But it okay. just hints at it. It's like, oh, Shaxx. Shaxx likes to um, go both ways on that <laughs> level. I can dig Good. it.
0: Good for you, Shaxx. Oh boy! And I have a link that I threw in there because it's just normally when you go through strikes, you you load in, you kind of chuckle along with some of the dialogue that happens, and you pretty much wherever the waypoint is. It's go here, kill everything. Mm -hmm. But recently I was listening to this for one of some gameplay uh, background footage, and I hear the spider cite this line when talking about uh, the strike.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Quote, Two crust lovers have sullied my shore. Mm-hmm. Our old friend the Mindbender, may he rest in pieces, and In-Anon, mm-hmm. the Hive Brood Queen, traitor to her kin. Uh, mm-hmm. It just, like, it, it tweaked my mind, thinking, did the Mindbender get it on with a Brood Queen?
1: Yes, actually, that is confirmed. That is an actual thing. There is cross-species, trying to cross-species pop. Uh, propagate within destiny which is terrifying which is also why we go and take out the brood queen we get rid of her right. specifically because of this but yeah that the mind bender the little dreg that fell into the hell mount and fell absolutely in love with the hive fell in love with the hive
0: quite literally yeah. <laughs> quite literally fell in love with the hive <laughs> so it, yeah that that just kind of like raised my eyebrow when i was recording that gameplay footage uh, a couple of weeks ago and i went wait a second mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: so there you go shacks uh, fights forever so to speak and we have cross species uh, breeding going on or at
1: there least get at it yeah absolutely
0: Alright, and time for the final five questions of the show. These questions range from irrelevant to irreverent. The first two are always the same, and the last three have a theme. Here we go. First question. Coffee or tea?
1: If anybody knows or has listened to me, it's always coffee.
0: Always coffee?
1: Yeah, iced tea. I will drink iced tea during the summer. That's like my go-to there, but I have coffee actually waiting for me in the other room to go pick up that I forgot to pick up before the show. Oh, no. That's okay. Okay. I got water. I'm good.
0: Okay, go. All right. Question number two. So we know you play video games. Do you play any tabletop games?
1: Absolutely. I love Ticket to Ride. I love kind of that European style of oh, game. Yay.
0: Oh, yay! We play that a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Catan is great. I have Smash Up, which is a card collector game that is a really easy one to take around. You don't have to have, like, Magic the Gathering or anything like that. Although, I play Magic as well. I'm just... Mm-hmm. When I was teaching, I actually hosted an after-school gaming group twice a week for students who were not necessarily involved in – if they were doing uh, different choral things or sports things after school, they could come down to my room and they taught me how to play Yu-Gi-Oh! And I taught them how to play Magic. And we just played a lot of board games and had this social interaction down there.
0: Oh, nice. mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. All right. And now into the themed questions. So, Green Sense, the podcast that you're on is called Focused Fire Chat. Mm-hmm. The next three questions will make use of those three words within the universe of Destiny. Okay. So, Focused, what is your preferred precision weapon?
1: Bow. La Monarch in particular.
0: La Monarch in particular?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I am. S- I am not a very nice person with that in Crucible. (laughs) I am that person who's just sitting in the back who you can't see because there's no glint.
0: Ooh. Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's evil. I -hmm. approve. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All Mm -hmm. right. Question number four for the word fire. What is your preferred solar build?
1: I prefer to run. I'm, Primarily a hunter, so I prefer a blade barrage build. And the really the only time that I will run that is mainly in Gambit, just because blade barrage with the uh, gauntlets. I cannot think of the name of them. The gauntlets that basically recharges your super when you have is a, that the
0: the shards or something.
1: Eleanor, thank you. Okay. So, so I will use that in Gambit. I'm not a huge solar fan I tend to be more of a void player but mm-hmm. it is actually that will be something I will run every once in a while
0: just cuz all right mm-hmm. and finally question number 5 chat so what headset do you use while gaming
1: I use I'm trying to think of what this one's actually HyperX I think is the brand okay. I I like the cushion of it and the detachable mic cuz I actually have a setup where I don't have to have a face mic attached to the headset i have it going through my yeti when i'm playing so i actually don't have to worry about chomping in somebody's ear or drinking in somebody's ear when i'm
0: gaming ah uh, so very nice so i have a HyperX also for the playstation and back when i was playing on xbox my mic had or my headset had one of the the bendy booms, as I'll mm-hmm. refer to one. Just, mm-hmm. And yeah, every once in a while, just to make sure that people are hearing my audio, I have it right in front of my mouth. But if your mic is right in front of your mouth, it's also directly underneath your nose.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And every once in a while, you got to go into the chat and be like, okay, who's breathing a little too heavy? Someone uh, move your mic. Yep. Yeah. I- so you actually use your your yeti while you're gaming
1: i do i i have my yeti plugged directly into my playstation which it'll pick up easily enough and all the audio picked up for my chat goes through that okay i just have headphones on essentially that come straight out of my monitor and it works out really well
0: all right Well, that is all we have for this episode. Time to roll the standard end-of-show plugs. You can find the show notes, which contain contact links for all topics discussed, for this and previous episodes at videogamecrosstalk.com, as well as social media contacts and the occasional blog post. You can also follow me around pretty much everywhere at Hypersyntax, H-Y-P-3-R-S-I-N-T-4-X. As for my guest, Green, where can our beautiful listeners follow you around?
1: I am... Also very, very easy to find if you can spell my gamer tag, which is G-R-N-E-Y-E-D-M-U-S-I-K-L-V-R. And I am on Twitter, Discord, Twitch, uh, just all the different places that you can normally find gamers. I think I have an Instagram that I've not used in three years.
0: <laughs> all right. <laughs> And please don't forget to like, review, subscribe, and share this podcast all over your social media accounts. And this show can be found on pretty much every podcast listening service. The podcast audio is also pushed out to YouTube. And yes, I've been making a few Destiny Lore videos. Got a few ideas rumbling around in my head for a few more future ones. So swing on over there for some video content when I'm able to push it out. And in the words of Plato, Music is a moral law. It gives soul to the universe Wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and charm and gaiety to life and everything. I was reading some. You're
1: good. I was actually going to shoot you a title of a book that you might find very interesting. Okay. It's um, not, this is not necessarily something that would be super related to this podcast, but mm. that book that I sent you in the chat is a psychological and um, sociological read into why gaming is, is super important in how society use games, since so you're interested okay. on the sci- science sides of things. This is oh, more the psychology and sociology aspect.
0: Okay, yeah, I've watched a few TED Talks on games, and I think one of the best intros that I've seen as far as a, a gaming TED Talk mm-hmm. was uh, this woman, neuroscientist, talking about how games can enhance uh, your mental abilities and stuff like that. And she said, okay, first off, we're going to drop what I call the bar talk. No, playing 80 hours of Call of Duty every week. No, that is not good for you. No. I'm yeah. not going to pretend that it's good for you. But, Stop that.
1: Right. But in this this book in particular, she talks about how a society back in, I, I want to say it was like ancient Rome or ancient Egypt that was going through a, um, a drought, which led to a famine they use games as a way to, in some ways, pacify the masses. So they were able to sustain within a setting with not having a whole lot of strife going on because of gaming. They were able yeah. to use games as a way to pass the time, kind of like we're doing right now with COVID.
0: Mm, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that that's all over the place where it's like, yes, it's okay to play video games right now. Everyone's bored. It's okay to play video games right now. Yep. Cool. I'll definitely look into that. Mhm. Same.